you are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're locked on the Washington football team with the Locked On Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, Washington football team writer for SI.com's fan nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Metcurse show on the Team 980. Both that show and this show can be found on the Odyssey app. Chris and Pete are doing their thing Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Again, at the Team 980 on Twitter. Find us at WrestleMania621 for Chris. I am at D Harrison 82 The show is at Locks Pod. Our account is currently suspended. We don't know why we didn't do anything. I promise you. I promise you we didn't do anything. Our social team is quote-unquote working on it, uh, but whenever it comes back up, you can find us at Locks WFT Pod. Uh, this show, as always, free and available on all platforms. If you're looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth, check out the Locked On NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with host Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Chris, we're going to flip things up a little bit here on this episode. we got a short week, so we're trying to fit in as much fan content as we can. We've got some voicemails we want to get to, so we're actually going to start today's episode with a voicemail. Hey, Chris, David, it's A.W. from Northwest Florida again, uh, also known as A.W. Uh, just listened to you guys' take on the game. And, uh, you know, for me, again, was it a disappointment that we lost? Of course. You know, you definitely want to see your team win. But I do say that we, again, are still moving in the right direction. Obviously, there's a lot of room to grow. Um, but I'll say this. Uh, Heineke, uh, I, I do think that Heineke is – a dynamic player, and I think that he does offer some things that are going to be troublesome uh, for defenses as they prepare in the weeks leading up for him if he is the quarterback. Obviously, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not out there at practice, and the vantage uh, that I have from the television screen doesn't tell the whole picture. So I, I'm hopeful that Ryan Fitzpatrick heals up and gets back in the lineup, but I am excited uh, if Heineke is in there and he's able to do those shovel passes and uh, be elusive with his feet. I think that's going to help freeze the linebackers and maybe open up uh, more of the passing plays. I thought Gibson did a fantastic job outside of that fumble. I think that fumble was probably the turning point in the game, uh, and I think that's something that he will clean up and, again, continue to get better. But, uh, you know, there were some strange calls through the game, some that we benefited from and others that we didn't. Uh, at pass interference, uh, if I, when I watched the replay, what I couldn't help notice was uh, their offensive lineman looked like he was doing a, a bear hug from the backside on Ioannidis. You know, I don't know why that didn't get called uh, because he was certainly uh, putting pressure up the middle, but that is the source of my greatest frustration right now. Um, again, I thought we would be exposed this season based on the level of competition that we're playing, and our defensive line I, I just expected more out of. Uh, I don't know what to attribute that to, um, but I expected more out of them. Uh, the offensive line, and particularly uh, Charles Leno Jr., uh, you know, that's, you know, once you've got a weak link in that chain, that can be exploited and there can be problems, and you've got to allocate other resources like backs to chip block and, and give assistance. And uh, I'm, I'm most concerned about that. Uh, I thought that the special teams did great. Our, our kickoff returns uh, were, were pretty exciting. There was, they were pretty dynamic. Uh, of course, D-Hop, he showed up in, in a big way. Um, but again, 
to, to sell everybody down, like I say, I, I think you guys did a great job in your analysis. Um, and, and my big question is, again, if Heineke does start uh, Thursday and potentially the following week or whatever, you know, I just wonder what your guys' gut feeling is as to how he's going to respond. Me personally, I think he's going to do pretty well. All right, AW, thank you very much. As always, great contribution. Um, David, I, I, you know, I'll just say this. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into a lot of Taylor Heineke on our next episode as we get ready for the New York Giants, but there is no doubt that he is going to start this game unless something happens in the limited practices that they have between now and Thursday night uh, because, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick is – uh, the news, uh, of course, he was officially put on IR, uh, and he's going to be out, according to Adam Schefter, six to eight weeks with the hip subluxation, which means the earliest, if that time frame is correct, is October 24th at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. Then they finish up the first half, October 31st at Denver, then the bye week, and then they return home for the other team that you uh, – uh, pay attention to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions coming back to FedEx Field for a rematch of the playoff after a bye mid-November. I think that's November 13th. So, I mean, you know, like, look, there's no question that Taylor Heineke, again, barring an injury suffered in the light practices that they have between now and then, is going to start on Thursday. Now, can he start more than that? I don't know. He's got an extensive injury history. So that's one thing that we're going to have to keep in mind, no matter how well he plays on Thursday night. Yeah. And I mean, and you get into a lot of takes there from AW and I, and I like how concise he got or how detailed he got rather in, in his conversation points there. And we've got our takeaways coming up uh, here in the next segment and then the final segment. So we'll get into a lot of what AW is talking about. But this, this goes back to what we were talking about before, especially in the initial analysis, you know, immediate analysis following the game that, you know, whether you're in the Heineke hive or whether you're a Fitzpatrick fan or whether, you know, you like them both. You just feel like one or the other gives your team uh, a better chance to win, no matter what your opinion is now at this point. And this is really what I was kind of hoping would happen uh, is that we cut the speculation out and, you know, well, maybe Ryan comes back. Maybe he doesn't. What if he what if he's not completely he's on IR? So we know. That for for the for the next period of time, and according again to Ian, you're looking at six to eight weeks, and we've seen this before. I mean, they could decide to put Ryan on the shelf, even those you know first couple weeks he's back. They may just decide to let him practice, but not play him until after the bye. It really just it depends on where the team is at at that at that moment. But bottom line is, this is Taylor Heineke's job interview. Like starting Thursday night, this is his job interview for the rest of his NFL career. He's either going to show the Washington Football Team and the rest of the NFL. He can be a serviceable starting quarterback starting third, not, not just in Thursday alone, but starting Thursday, or he's going to show the rest of the NFL. There was a reason he was in college at, at the end of the year last year. I don't know which one to expect again. Like you said, we're going to talk about that deeper tomorrow. I just know this is a huge opportunity for Taylor. You never celebrate an injury. And I'm sure that Taylor, you know, wasn't, you know, driving home last or uh, Sunday night or whatever saying, you know, woohoo. I'm glad Ryan got hurt, man. Like that, you know, way to go, buddy. Like, that's not how this works. But at the end of the day, it's next man up business. That's how this works. So Taylor Heineke fully preparing uh, to be the starting quarterback for the Washington football team. And hey, listen, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. Like no matter how it turns out, it's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, and, and I'm not trying to stir anything up here, but uh, Tom Brady was a backup until a veteran quarterback got injured as well. So you never know what's going to come out from the backup quarterback starting. Yeah, no doubt. And speaking of backup, backup, backup quarterbacks, the Washington football team on Monday announced the signing of Kyle Shermer, the 
not, not Cam Newton, uh, Kyle Shermer, if the last name sounds familiar, uh, he went to Vanderbilt, uh, but he is the son of Pat Shermer, the former Giant and Browns head coach, currently the Broncos offensive coordinator. Now, for now, that's not to the active roster. It's to the practice squad because, remember, they let go of Steven Montez at the roster cutdown, and he caught on with Detroit, and they didn't bring anybody in to replace uh, Montez as the practice squad quarterback. So keep that in mind. So, again, Heineke will start on Thursday night with Kyle Allen, who was inactive on Sunday as his primary backup. And remember, it was flipped last year when they first went to the second quarterback after Dwayne Haskins was benched. It was Kyle Allen, and Taylor Heineke wasn't even on the roster. So musical chairs continue at quarterback. They've had nine, by the time we get to Thursday night, David, nine different men will have started games since Kirk Cousins walked out the door to start the 2018 season. And 13, basically over the last three plus years, 13 starters cumulatively over three plus years uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, and at least for the last couple, right? Terry McLaurin still the top receiver on the team, still putting together explosive plays for his quarterback, no matter who's on the field. So sometimes as much as things change, they also stay the same. Football is back. I mean, no matter what team you're a fan of, no matter what you liked, no matter what you didn't like, football is back. And something that hasn't changed since last season is that betonline.ag is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Betonline.ag continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head over to the website today, sign up, and get a 100% Welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up with the promo code NFL 100 from football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 NFL season. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, this is the Locked On Washington football team podcast. Good to have you guys with us as we approach Thursday night football. The Washington football team hosting the 0-1 equally New York Giants kickoff 8.20 Eastern time on Thursday night from FedEx Field. And we'll, of course, be there for you and have post-game reaction. Now it's time for our takeaways from Sunday's season opening loss, 20-16 to to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I'll start here amongst our four David, the defense was awful as we know, and it was awful from the start. First and goal from the three, Eckler in the backfield, standing next to Herbert to his left. He's in the gun, Mike Williams in motion, comes all the way across the line. Hand off Eckler, tries the left side, has no problem. Giant hole and walks into the end zone. L.A. strikes first, touchdown Chargers. All right, that's Bram Weinstein on the Team 980 and the Washington football team radio network. A 10-play, 75-yard drive, 5 minutes and 46 seconds. As we touched on, very similar to, uh, as we touched on, I should say, in our postgame reaction, very similar to how the season started off last year against the Eagles. That was a 6-play, 62-yard touchdown drive with, again, very little resistance. David, here's what bothered me on that. I went back on Monday morning, uh, you know, after being live at the game, but things happen so fast, you miss things. And not only did they go right through them like a hot knife through butter, 10 plays, 75 yards, but a couple of things stood out to me. And one was 
We know Chase Young in the pass rush and the vaunted defensive line struggled to get near Justin Herbert. That's one big thing. The the thing that really bothered me was Chase Young and 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 um, and um, Rashawn Slater and the Chargers went right at him. I counted three times, including that Austin Eckler touchdown, in which they kind of used a silent motion, and you see the left tackle, Rashawn Slater, the top pick from Northwestern, who also had his way kind of with Chase Young when they were both in college a year and a half ago or so. You see him kind of looking back at Justin Herbert for the signal, for the silent count, boom. They get the three-yard touchdown again. He turns Chase Young completely, and that was not the first time. The Chargers, by my count, ran three times total right at Chase Young, at him, at his gap, at his assignment. And again, all three times, Rashawn Slater easily mauled him, turned him around, grabbed him, hooked him without it being illegal, and just completely took him out of the play, allowing big runs. Earlier in the drive, it was a, uh, it was an 11-yard uh, – I'm sorry, it was a um, – a 13-yard run by uh, Larry Roundtree, uh, and there was another run on top of that. I believe it was uh, for six yards in which Chase Young, again, was not effective in terms of getting off his block. And when you have that kind of success right off the bat, it sets a tempo, it sets a tone, and Washington was not able to really overcome that, especially on third down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went back and watched that first drive too, and I mean, I saw the exact same thing that you did, you know. And and honestly, I was I was a little disappointed in in Jack Del Rio, the defense coordinator, and I was also disappointed a little bit in Chase. You know what I mean? Uh, Chase, this is a guy who came out and, and talked about during the offseason about working on extra moves and adding some stuff to his repertoire uh, and everything else. And and you know, uh, nobody's expecting. At least I hope nobody's expecting Chase Young to become the premier pass rusher in the NFL this year. But everybody is obviously expecting him to take at least another step forward, and that's kind of the territory that comes with being a number two uh, overall pick, not just a first round pick. And and you're right. I mean that that first drive he went up against Slater. He also you know he flipped the other side too. Honestly, I think he does better on the right side of the defensive formation. It seems that he does better. I saw some outside moves on the right side. I saw some inside moves on the right side. But when he was lined up uh, against that that young uh, left tackle, or sorry, on the left side, my my fault. I have that flipped up a little bit. But when he was lined up on the right tackle, uh, the veteran there, he was doing a lot better. I saw some more of those moves. But when he was on, on playing on that young left tackle, I mean, it, it was it was problematic. It was a little concerning. But at the same time, I didn't see Jack Del Rio doing anything from a defensive formation standpoint, from a rush standpoint. Like You've got a rookie offensive lineman playing his very first game on the road against an excited crowd. Like You should be throwing everything at this kid. And I know that a lot of times coaches don't like to unveil their entire weaponry whatever but i mean they went one-on-one really it was like a four-man rush pretty much on every play in that first drive there was no movement there were no combinations there were no stunts twists no dbs coming in on blitzes i don't even think a linebacker came in on a blitz in the first drive to be honest with you it was basically defensive linemen against offensive linemen and and just being honest chase got worked you know what i mean he got stood up a lot and he didn't really have a lot of fight back now we saw some plays later on that are kind of like okay there's chase young but you want to see that firing off there in the beginning, and you want to see the coaches. If you notice that your defense is not is getting gashed, you got to do something. You got to shake things up. You got to wake the crew up. You got to say, "Listen, we're going to get some movement going here." Uh, and I just didn't see that out of that first drive. So, yeah, great take from you for for that for that first one, Chris. There, my first takeaway. Takeaway number two: Washington football team special teams a big reason they were in the game even late. 
So let's see if they've got a late 48-yard field goal in them from the left hash mark. Hopkins is lined up. Way looks at him. Cheeseman is ready. Now Way points his head towards the line of scrimmage. Snap down, hold down, kick is up. That one's got plenty of leg. And yes. that is good. Okay, Hop. So Dustin Hopkins from 48 as the clock hits zero. All right, so a little bit of vindication maybe for Dustin Hopkins, the Wash football team field goal kicker. That was a 48-yard field goal made there at the end of the first half. Uh, and, and listen, all of last year, and we know the preseason struggles and everything, but all of last year, Dustin Hopkins tried 17 field goals from 40-plus. That was all of 2020. On Sunday alone, he had three from 40-plus, including a 51-yarder, which he did miss. Uh, but that puts him on pace, guys, to have 51 field goal tries over 40. Now, I don't think anybody expects that to actually come to fruition. If it does, go ahead and get him for your fantasy team because even if he misses a bunch of them, he's going to make <laughs> a lot of them too. You're going to get a lot of points. But I don't think anybody expects that. But it was good to see Dustin Hopkins. You, you, you know, you can't – I kind of look at field goals, Chris, as like making your your car payment on time and, and, and paying the minimum, right? That's a field goal. You made your park payment. You did it on time. That's a field goal. That's not going to get you to where you want to go any faster, but it's going to kind of keep you on schedule and, and leave the door open for some big opportunities for you maybe pay it off earlier, and that's what I call kind of like a win, right? So I don't know if everybody follows that analogy. That's kind of what came to mind a little bit. And as, as A.W. said in his voicemail earlier, the return game. I mean, no touchdowns, you know what I mean? Um, nothing like that. But DeAndre Carter, your guy, I mean, you've been calling it since the training mm-hmm. camp preseason. He looked really good in it, and I, and I, I kind of see it. And, you know, they talked about the Chargers had some special teams issues themselves last year. But I look at this return game, and I'm like, I think there's a there's a touchdown in the future here somewhere. There's an exciting play somewhere down the line. So special teams, you know, again, whenever you lose, you're never going to go to the kicker and say, hey, buddy, at least you made three out of four. But given the right. preseason, I mean, Dustin Hopkins making three out of four, including two out of three from 40-plus, nobody would have called that coming into this game. Yeah, it was a nice bounce back. You're absolutely right. I think I think even even though it, it's it's certainly one you have to make the 30 yarder early in the game, uh, after the Antonio um, Gibson 27 yard run there, I, I think that helps settle him down um, and, and maybe gives the the operation which Ron has talked about so much, which then maybe leads into the 43 and then the 48 yarder. And, and again, you heard Bram and Julie uh, Donaldson on the Washington Football Team radio network on that call uh, there on the Team 980 and other outlets. Um, I would I would say again that was certainly important. You would have loved for the fifty one yarder. Listen, people are going to just dismiss the fifty one yarder, David, and say, "Well, you can't expect." Well, in today's day and age, in the NFL, you need to make fifty plus yarders. Quite honestly, fifty to fifty five yards in in perfect weather, no wind. Uh, you know, eighty eight degrees, uh, sunshine. It's not snowing or anything like that. Those are kicks you're going to have to make. Quite honestly. Uh, so that kind of, you know, w- w- was a little bit of a concern because they're going to ask him to do that from time to time this year. Now, one thing I would quickly point out, Brandon Sheriff had a false start penalty out of a timeout and a 10-yard holding penalty on that same drive, which hurts the field position, obviously, as things are uh, elsewhere break down on that drive, David, which leads to the 51-yard attempt. So just keep that in mind, not all on hop. And then, I, I obviously, I agree with you on DeAndre Carter. Um, he had a really nice punt return for, I think, 13 or 14 yards. Boom, got it to the Ravens' side of the field. 
uh, and put Washington in good territory. Uh, that is something they have been missing big time. Had a couple of decent kickoff returns, nothing crazy there. And Tressway had a really good punt to, and roll to start the game and pretty good coverage all around. So I agree. Guys, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. We've been telling you about Rock Auto for years. With the amount of makes and models on the market, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. And here's a better option for you anyway. Why go there? Get charged 20% more, 10% more, 30% more, whatever it is, because they are trying to pay for their overhead. And because you're not their buddy, the mechanic down the street, they're going to pass on extra charges to you when you can stay at home in your kitchen, uh, in your bed, on your couch, in your comfy recliner, and go to rockauto.com and get anything and everything you need at great prices. So if you need a fuel pump or if you need something vanity, you know, a little throw rug or whatever it might be uh, because your kids spilled a vanilla shake on it, whatever the case might be, you can get it at rockauto.com. So here's what we want you to do. David and I are telling you to go to rockauto.com right now to see the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. You're going to get a great experience, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Again, that's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Wrapping up this episode of the Locked on Washington football team podcast, David Harrison and Chris Russell on Twitter at dharrison82 at russellmania621. And we're wrapping up our takeaways. Chris, we've got two more. You are up again for takeaway number three. Yeah, so the Terry McLaurin experience, it was empty in the first half, but then it came alive. Second and four at the 41, Heineke spins off to the right. Let's go. Man, that is Terry McLaurin. First catch of the season for the captain out to the midfield strike. We had to get him involved earlier, man. You got to. That's our wide receiver number one. We got to get him involved early. And that's been my pet peeve with this offense, right? When you have a dynamic guy like Terry McLaurin, you script successful plays to get him the football. A hitch or something early just just to get it started. Absolutely. All right, so once again, that's Bram Weinstein, D'Angelo Hall, and Julie Donaldson on the Team 980 and the Washington football team, our radio network. A lot of voices going on there, a lot of soup uh, to make, um, I guess, uh, you know, to extract from. But that was, again, the first target and the first catch, as they mentioned, to Terry McLaurin for nine yards to midfield on a second and four just inside the 13-minute mark of the third quarter, David. And when you have no targets and obviously no catches in the first half, that's disappointing, quarterback situation or not. And then you see what the Terry factor can be because after that, 
He comes right back to him for a quick two-yard pass on a little uh, bubble screen type of play, if I remember correctly. And then the rainbow lob pass that really should have been intercepted, quite honestly, down the Washington sideline for 34 yards. Even though there was a penalty on the play, of course, it was declined because it comes on a third and six from the Chargers, 45, gets Washington down to the 11-yard line, and boom, next play, they throw a touchdown strike to Logan Thomas, who climbs the ladder for 11 yards. So, again, McLaurin was a non-factor, non-targeted in the first half. Washington didn't have the ball a lot, and then he becomes a big factor on that first play on that first series, rather, of the third quarter. Coincidence or not, David, that was their only touchdown, and Terry McLaurin got involved. It's definitely not a coincidence, and I agree 100% with what the broadcast team was saying. Uh, When you got a guy like Terry McLaurin, I mean, listen, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, minimum. And when Curtis Samuel comes back, Curtis Samuel. You've got to have plays in your script, and for those who don't know what that means, like, most teams script their first 10 plays of the game. Some do a little bit more, some do a little bit less. Whatever it is, like you need like your first drive, your first 10 plays, your playmakers should get their hands on the ball. I don't care if it's got to be an end around, I don't care if it's got to be a shovel pass. I don't I don't care how you do it, but these are players that are on your team and and that that the opposing team, the opposing coaches game plan against for a reason. So you need to come out and show them Whatever you're trying to do, we're going to get the ball into our guys' hands because what that does and what you see is that that's going to open up things for guys like De'Ami Brown uh, and, and for other for other players, John Bates even. You know what I mean? You can end up with John Bates. That's how you get your second or third tight ends out there with a wide-open spot in the end zone because everybody's flooding the rest of them. When you allow a defense to, to man up against you know or go one-on-one against your top receiver and you don't make them pay for it, it allows them to go elsewhere. And, and we saw passes, Chris, that – De'Ami Brown was getting targeted. He right. had two defenders with him. When in the world do you ever see a third-round rookie wide receiver, wide receiver have two defenders on him when you've got Logan Thomas, right. Antonio Gibson, and, and Terry McLaurin caliber players on the field? That should never happen. That shows just how scared Los Angeles was not uh, of some of those key players. So, and, and like you said, on that drive, you saw, and even on that touchdown pass, you saw some of the some of the motion going on in the defense. They were, they were paying more attention to where some of the key playmakers were, and it opened up things uh, on the field. So, yeah, absolutely. It was great to see Terry go, get going, for one. Um, two, it, it, I agree completely with what the broadcast team said there. You have to get him involved earlier, looking for that big-time Thursday. Like If he doesn't get a, a target uh, in, in the first three reps of that game, I'm going to be disappointed uh, with, with Scott Turner with what the Washington offense is doing with Taylor Heineke, especially to try to take pressure off of a quarterback like Taylor Heineke. Uh, so the final takeaway – uh, Chris, of this episode, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit, and I know it's not fair because it's the first time we're doing our takeaway episode. But we've uh, we've got a voicemail, and it's it's relating to a division opponent and the division race, of course, as it starts to develop this week. Uh, so I'm actually going to use a caller voicemail as takeaway for for today's episode. Hi, this is uh, Todd once again. Wanted to say hi. See how things are going in the beautiful world of Washington fans. Uh, when it comes down to it, I uh, just had a chance to watch the uh, Cowboys in Tampa Bay last night. Once again, you know, more Tampa Bay than Tampa Bay nowadays. Uh, I'm glad they pulled off the win. I have to admit, a little bit nervous about the offensive firepower of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, may make it a bit of a challenge to uh, win the division this year. However, more than thrilled that Tom pulled off his magic as he typically does. And uh, gave them a, uh, a loss, so 
So that's uh, one good step towards us getting to where we want to be. Uh, thrilled about that. Uh, hopefully what we find is that our team finds that rhythm, gets our offense strong and rolling, uh, and then with that defense, hopefully uh, with Dallas' bad defense, uh, combination. Hopefully, when it comes down to it, head to head. Hopefully, we can take one or two against them to take the division. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, you know kind of can we keep up as far as that kind of offensive power power if we can catch uh, catch a good rhythm? So once again, it's Todd. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. All right, Tom, appreciate the call, and, and that's about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeating the Dallas Cowboys to start the entire season off last Thursday night. Uh, of course, Washington following them up this Thursday night. And listen, here, here's what I'll say. The, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, and, and NFC East fans should already know this, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys really has never been offense. Now, you've had some moments where it's like, you know, they can't get going, or Ezekiel Elliott doesn't get involved, or whatever, whatever. Amari uh, Cooper's injured, whatever it is. But even last season, the Dallas Cowboys, even without Dak Prescott for the, the majority of the year, still averaged 24.7 points a game, which was good for 17th in the NFL, right there in the middle with a backup quarterback. Without their star franchise quarterback, they're still middle of the pack in production and in points. So the Dallas Cowboys are going to put up points. Like You can come in, you're going to try everything you can, and every once in a while someone's going to catch lightning in a bottle and keep them you know, under 25, under 22, 20 points, whatever it is. But you pretty much have to come into this game almost expecting – that the Dallas Cowboys are going to put up at least three touchdowns and a field goal on you. Like 24 minimum, if you're an offense, you've got to come in saying, we need to put 24 points up on the Dallas Cowboys. Here's the good news. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for as good as their offense is, as good as Tom Brady is, as good as their weapons are, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gave up, Chris, 33% of their possessions on Thursday night to turnovers. They gave up 33 of their possessions with three or fewer offensive plays run against the Dallas Cowboys, and they still put up 31 points. This Dallas Cowboys defense is what we've been saying it is, and the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers showed that that's what it is. So if you're the Washington football team, Philadelphia Eagles, New York Giants, whatever, you're going to have the opportunity to put up points against Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you don't have Tom Brady and all those weapons that they have in Tampa, you can't give the ball away four times. But if you don't give the ball away four times like the Buccaneers did, you're going to have a chance to outshoot the Dallas Cowboys. But that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a shootout like the Wild West, like the Cowboys want it to be. That's what you're going to walk into. So if you want to keep pace, you got to keep putting up points. And uh, unfortunately, that's not what we saw a lot of in week one. But there's time to get that going before it really matters against a team like this one. Yeah, and who knows what the Cowboys are going to look like. Who knows what Washington's going to look like towards the end of the season uh, when Washington takes them on you know, yeah, twice absolutely. in the span of five weeks. Uh, right. and it's Once actually, Cam Newton comes in, you never know what this offense is going to turn right, into. Exactly. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, yeah. Or Robert Griffin III. Did you see that one? Yeah, or RG3. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, who knows how, how these teams are going to look. So it's impossible to know. Here's what I know real quickly. Um, Washington right now, right now, can't keep up with Dallas on offense. Uh, and unless their defense gets suddenly better against premier quarterbacks and premier offenses, uh, it could be a very long day against this gauntlet of a schedule. And that does include the Dallas Cowboys, but we'll see how healthy they are and how ripe they are down the stretch. All right. As you guys know, betting on the league in which they play for pay doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. 
follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question or a topic you want us to discuss, please send them in lockedwftpod at gmail.com. That's lockedwftpod at gmail.com. Or you can call in and be a part of the show via the voicemail line, as you heard several times throughout the show, by dialing 301 615 3577. That's 301 615 3577. Just lock that in and you'll be locked on the Washington football team podcast. Thank you guys for being with us. Again, I'm Chris Russell. Catch me and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 and on the Odyssey app, three to seven, Monday through Friday. Uh, that is the f- official flagship station for the Washington football team, along with David Harrison. Read everything he's writing about the Washington football team at si.com slash NFL slash Washington football. Appreciate you guys being with us. Remember, the Locked on Washington football team podcast is free and available on all platforms. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Washington football team podcast.